Hello, and welcome to Fortune's Wheelhouse, a podcast about esoterics and the tarot. I'm Susie Chang, and my co-host is Mel Moline. We have gone on an epic journey through the symbolism of the 78 cards of the tarot deck, and in this season, we are applying esoteric filters to the deck, examining it through a variety of astrological, cabalistic, numeric, and other lenses. This week, we're continuing our 10-part series on number, which will allow us to look at the many roles that number plays in tarot, whether in the 1 through 10 numeric minors, or in the numbered major arcana, or even in the court cards, which, believe it or not, also each have number correspondences. Focusing on number will also allow us to have a closer look at the 10 sephirot of the Tree of Life, which is good because Kabbalah is probably one of the more challenging esoteric subjects we tackle on this podcast, and we could all use a bit more time to wrangle some of its subtleties. And remember, if you're diving in at random and one of us says something inscrutable, we do have lots of resources to help with that on our website, www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse, where you can sign up and get access to all of that content for as little as a dollar. There are also a couple of other places where you can check in with us online. You can visit Mel at tabulamundi.com, and you can visit me at tsusanchang.com. You can also join over 450 smart, nice, and most importantly, like-minded friends at the Fortune's Wheelhouse Academy group on Facebook. As you know, each episode we have a giveaway. Last week, our prize for the fifth of our numeric episodes went to Gretchen in Georgia. Congratulations, Gretchen. This week, we're talking about the extra special and harmonious number six. For this week's giveaway, it's winner's choice of one of the three deluxe sets of Mel's new deck, the Pharos Major Arcana. Each comes in a bag hand-painted with the Orphic Egg by Mel herself. If you simply must have your own and you don't trust the random number generator to pick you as next week's winner, you can buy your own Pharaoh's set at Mel's website, tarotcart.com. And now, here's this week's episode. Welcome back, everybody. We are here to discuss the harmonious number six today. It is a great relief after the privations of the five. And we will be talking about so many different cards. The sixes, of course, the minor sixes of tarot, the six of wands, the Lord of Victory, the six of cups, the Lord of Pleasure, the six of swords, the Lord of Science, or the Lord of Earned Success also, and then <laughs> the six of discs or pentacles, the Lord of Success or Material Success. So all kinds of success going on in here. And then we'll be talking about the two majors associated with the number six by number and by reduction, the lovers being number six and the devil being number 15, one plus five. Uh, then and I we'll want to be... add the planetary one, the sun, just because. Yes, and the sun. Because, the because sun... this is sun's association with six. 
Exactly. The sun is the luminary of Tiferet, the sixth Sephira, about which we will be saying so much. There are eight major arcana that connect to the Sephira Tiferet. They are the most that connect to any because it's right at the heart of the tree. So it we connects have, to every other of the Sephiroth except for Malkut. They are, in order, the high priestess between Teferet and Keter. And then between Teferet and Chokmah, we have either the emperor or the star, depending on which system you subscribe to. Then we have between Bina and Teferet, we have the lovers. Between Chesed and Teferet, we have the hermit. Between Teferet and Givora, we have justice. Between Netzach and Teferet, we have death. And between Tiferet and Yesod, we have temperance or art. And between Tiferet and Hod, we have the devil. Well, at least the lovers and the devil overlap. Yeah, so They do. They do, which is interesting in itself. Yeah. Yeah. And then we also have the four courts, which are the princes or knights, uh, all of which are considered associated with the six um, in the same way that the kings or knights are associated with the two, the queens are associated with the three, and the pages or princesses are associated with the ten. All right. So with that out of the way, uh, we can start talking about the number six, which everybody seems to love. Because it's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect in every way. It's literally the first perfect number, and there aren't many of those. So it's a number where all of its factors, except for itself, add up to the sum of itself. So with, mm -hmm. in the case of six, one plus two plus three, which are all the factors of six, add up to six if you add them together. Mm -hmm. So they not only multiply as six, but add as six. And there's only one number between one and ten that does this. There's only one number between one and a thousand that does that. There's only one number between one and ten thousand that does that. And after that, you're getting into something like 33 or 35 million. Wow. So there's not many of these numbers that do this, which makes them special. That's cool. I'm, I'm going to read Agrippa's way of describing it just because it's old timey and cute. <laughs> he says, huh. six is the number of perfection. If the parts thereof are gathered together, they perfectly fill up the whole body of six. The Pythagoreans say it is to be applied to generation and marriage, and it's called the scale of the world. The world is made of the number six, neither doth it abound or is defective, because the world was finished by God the sixth day, and it is also the number of man, because the sixth day man was created. Neither doth it abound or is defective. <laughs> it sounds very Python-esque. I feel, it and feels like something- the counting shall be six. <laughs> so people have this fascination with six. The Greeks call it panarchea, which means all sufficient, needing none others, sufficient unto itself. And we have different shapes associated with it. We have the, the cube, of course, with its six sides. We have the bicursal and unicursal hexagrams. So these are particularly notable because they are the union of opposites. So if you take the triangle of fire and the triangle of water and you superimpose them, that gives you the bicursal hexagram or seal of Solomon. You know what else is interesting about that? It's mm -hmm. not only the union of fire and water. If you look at it closely, that's actually where all four elemental symbols come from because it Ooh. not only has the upright triangle and downward triangle, but it has the triangle crossed with the crossbar of 
for air and the, the downward pointing one with the crossbar for earth. It sure so does. So it's actually a symbol of all four elements united. That's true. And also you sometimes see it with the sun in the middle. So it's sort of that six plus one. The sun is special because it's different from all of the other planets, quote unquote, classical planets. You ever see that uh, symbol too for, um, I guess it's some, uh, what do they call it? For medical services, the star of life. It's a six pointed figure with the um, rod of Asclepius yes. in, the, in the center of it, which I thought was kind of cool because of the sun's association with health and healing. That's really cool. So what about the unicursal hexagram? That's something that's specifically a Thelema thing, isn't it? It is. It didn't originate there, but mm -hmm. it's definitely a Thelemic concept. So you see with the uh, Thoth deck, you see the extra card there that has the unicrystal hexagram with the five-petaled rose right. in the center where all the points cross there. So that's like the sun in the center, except the five-petaled rose indicates that it's man, you know, the five, like we talked about in the last episode, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but within the six, which is God. And this idea that you can draw the unicursal hexagram without lifting your pen from the paper, unlike, you know, two triangles mm -hmm. where they're, they're separate. So there's no break, there's no lift, which is a thelemic concept that the union with God has already occurred. There is no God but man. It's a lovely idea. It takes some practice, though, and I've found, for me at least, to make a unicursal hexagram. I remember I I spent a half an hour with Michael Bridge Dixon some years ago sending each other videos of us trying to, <laughs> to make the <laughs> unicursal hexagram. It's hard to get it even. It looks like two Star Trek uh, insignias, <laughs> you know. Space Force. <laughs> so uh, let's see. It's the Seal of Solomon, as we mentioned. And then we're going to be talking a lot about this idea of the six as the sun, both the sun with the U and the sun as an O with an mm. O. Yeah, what? and that, that mm -hmm. shape of the hexagram, whether unicursal or non-unicursal, is usually associated with in invoking the sun. Yeah, interesting, that whole idea of, you know how if you put the shin in the middle of yod heh vav -Heh and you get mm -hmm. Yeshua, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is a constructed name for Jesus, it, it uh, it's not actually how the Hebrews spelling of um, Jesus, slightly different, I don't remember exactly how, but but it does have that kind of... Mm, archetypal resonance. I think it's a Renaissance thing where they started doing that. The idea that if you add in the fire of life right in the middle, mm. then you come up with the uh, the name of the sun. Lord of the fire of life. That's Lord the, of the name of, of the life. sun. Exactly. But, uh, another symbol of six, I guess, would be the rosy cross. Yep, of course. And because if you look at it, it has those sort of six, modularly, it's it's six units. Yeah, um, if you unfold the, the, the dice or the cube, it mm -hmm. unfolds into the cross. The symbol itself is the unfolding rose atop the, you know, the Christian cross. And that, I think, is said to be represent a couple different things. But you could say that it is, you know, the body, the cross of the body, plus consciousness being the unfolding rose. Consciousness unfolding, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or you could say the rose stands for silence and the cross stands for salvation. That's another way the Rosicrucians like to put it. You know, sub rosa meaning uh, in secrecy or silence. Yeah, there's that whole, you know, idea that's associated. You see a lot of the um, correspondences to sacrifice gods with the, with the sixes, mm -hmm. which is, you know, kind of an old aeon concept but the idea of sacrifice as something that you 
offer in service of devotion to the great work, that still resonates. You know, we talked a little bit about the hardship in the confrontation between divine and man in the five, right? That that sometimes leads to something we consider suffering. But it also leads to the six, which is this sort of moment of blessing. And that's something that we see in this, the story of Jacob, where he wrestles the angel all night. And then at the end, he is given its blessing, which, you know, to me is sort of a an illustration of the divine and human confrontation as five resulting in six. Yeah, there's there's definitely that theme running through all the sixes, that idea of the, the becoming conscious of divinity within, usually. Yeah, what's the Naples arrangement? It's the point now self-conscious. Yeah, uh, because because the in- time was introduced with the five, because now the consciousness has a past, present, and future, it can orient itself and become conscious of itself in, yeah. in time. And it's the f- defining human trait, you know, the sense of your own mortality. Yes, or lack thereof. Or lack you look thereof, at it. right. The, the sense of temporal mortality and spiritual immortality at the same mm. time. I think Crowley calls it the, the sixes are representative of their respective elements at their practical best. Yep. Yeah, and that sort of ties into that whole idea of purpose and sacrifice. It's like, you know, once you know what you're here for, then you can actually go forth and do it. You know, that ties into the virtue of Tifereth, which is devotion to the great work. So it's like these, the sixes show the rewards of that devotion or dedication. Right. There's a selflessness an empowerment and a selflessness. So the vice is pride where the self is turned to itself, right? Rather than to mm. its purpose. Yeah. And those sacrificial gods are so interesting. Like, for example, you know, one of them is always considered Dionysus and, mm-hmm. um, you know, who famously died and, and was reborn in a, a number of times. <laughs> Poor yes, dude. more than once. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And he also... At one point, I think there's a there's a myth of Dionysus where he transforms into a lion, which of course is a very solar and one symbol. of the animals of the correspondences. Exactly. Uh, there's Baldur, the the Norse god who was considered the the beautiful, the radiant, um, the one whom everybody loved except for the lowly mistletoe. There's the Christ figure, of course, is always associated with Tiferet. Yeah, all the all those. Christ-like figures are always there too, Buddha, you know. Yeah, and there's something also about Tiferet as, you know, the representative of the lower six. Sometimes when we talk about Tiferet, it is opposed to Keter as, you know, Keter is the greater countenance and Tiferet is the lesser countenance. Yes. But as the lesser countenance, it's speaking for uh, this entire world below the abyss. You know, going back to the um, the gods, I found something that I thought was super interesting in 777 Crowley in the back, you know, he, he, he kind of un- unpacks a little and uh, he lists for a correspondence under six, under gods, Iacus, and he says, Iacus as the holy guardian angel. I did a little, you know, wormhole digging. And yeah. that's actually really interesting because Iacus is a, you know, pretty lesser known deity, sort of associated with Dionysus, mm-hmm. but not exactly. 
And what I thought was really interesting is that Iacus had a twin uh, a fe- or a female aspect called Mis or Misa. Hmm. So it's this, it brings in that idea of the solar twins. They were also associated with Phanes, the god that came yeah. from the egg. So this idea of Iacus, and, and the other thing associated with that god was um, in the uh, Eleusinian mysteries, they would have this procession and they would cry his name, which meant something yes. like joy. And so this mm-hmm. idea of this connection with the holy guardian angel as being associated with joy and associated with these solar twins that, you know, it, it really kind of give, gave me a lot to think about just I thought it was really interesting because he just he just puts it right out there. He says, Iacus says Holy Guardian Angel and doesn't say anything more and leaves <laughs> it for you to kind of do this digging. And those things really kind of resonated with me because, you know, the solar twins thing, another thing that just popped into my head when I was thinking about that is the idea of, you know, we were talking about in the five how Gavora is the reflection of Bina. Well, Tiferet you know, is the reflection, some say, of Daph. And mm-hmm. I was thinking about the idea of the solar twins as Tiferet and Daph, you know, the silent yeah. one, the hidden one, and the the active one. I don't know, just something to think about. Knowledge versus beauty. That's interesting. And there's there's even an Orphic hymn to Iacus's twin Misa. In, in, is it's, there? Uh, hymn number 42, yeah. Which I thought was kind of interesting. And the idea that they're male and female, so uniting those as well. Yeah. Couldn't find a hell of a lot about it, but what Mm -hmm. I did find was really intriguing. Right. It sort of leads back to that whole idea of twins being a solar phenomenon, but that you see in tarot going back all the way to the beginning. And the idea, though, that there's a tension between the idea of twins of two children born of the sun versus the sun s o n which you know is kind of the one child versus two mm. child um solar reference which we also see in wade smith and you know in some of these sacrificial myths i saw a really um rather profound motto in a kabbalistic text today that said chesed seeks gevura hides Tiferet finds. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So there's this sort of like the, the two arms of God and Chesed and Gevura working go against seek. each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that it's resolved in Tiferet, which we see all the time in that sort of four, five, six sequence. There is something about the sixes and Tiferet as being, I think of them as um, bridges or connectors, you know, mm-hmm. it is that grand central of the tree there that everything connects to or just about everything connects to and there's this idea of um connection with divinity connection with the self connection Mm -hmm. with the higher self or however you want to look at it even the even the um the magical power is the the vision of the harmony of things and that's Mm. like the interconnectedness of all so there's something about it as being like a connector or, mm-hmm. you know, a balance somehow. The universal harmony, yeah. Like, there's a cool thing you can do with the Tree of Life where you can draw the glyph of Venus over it, right? So you have yep. the, the top six as the circle and then the bottom four as the cross. But mm. the one in, that connects to both the circle and the cross is Tiferet. 
right? So it's the eternal right. divine and the cross of matter, the, the, the divine and the human. It is the bridge between them. The it kind of makes it, it's funny that we were recorded the five earlier today and now we're recording the six because it just popped into my head. <laughs> you know, the five is will and the six is love. We got yeah. will and love on the same yeah. day. It's pretty cool. That is cool. Teferit itself means has a lot of different meanings. We could call it beauty. We could call it, there are actually other ways to translate it that sound a lot like Hode. Um, glory, splendor, magnificence. Mm-hmm. They all kind of sound, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Numinous. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's like every time we do a number, it's like, this is the most special number that has ever been. <laughs> every number is infinite. There is no difference. <laughs> exactly. So I, I've heard also of Teferit as being kind of like the resolution between the fires of Gevora and the waters of Hesed. So, you know, when you, when the fires of Gevora gently warm the waters of Chesed and the waters of Chesed kind of temper the fires of Gevora and then that leads to Teferit, which reminds me a little bit about, you know, the family romance and how the, the son borrows from his father and his mother, the qualities mm-hmm. that he's borrows from the, the knight and the queen, knighter king and the queen. Um, right. Well, yeah, literally that's where the, um, the supernal parents kind of meet in Teferit there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Both and- kind of channeling down into the center of the tree. It's like he borrows the stability of one and the... The stability of the queen. The stability yeah, of the queen. Her, mm-hmm. Yeah. Her, her endurance and stability and his action, you know, his mm-hmm. her form and his force, I guess you right. could say. Right, right, right. Right. Which empowers him to act So that's the why world. they're on chariots that are moving thrones. Or horses in the, um, in the Wait Smith is the way they represent it. But the idea is that this is someone who is capable of going where they need to go Mm. because of the gifts he's inherited from his family. The God name is, Oh, that this reminds me actually of what you were saying about dot and Tiferet because it's uh, Yehovah Eloah Vedat. Oh, right. Right. God of gods, but of knowledge as well. Yeah. So maybe they are twins. Yeah. The um, weapon is the Laman. Or the Rosy Which Cross. you wear on the breast. Right. Which is associated with the heart and the center of the body. I think yeah. it's interesting, too, because the Laman, you know, that you wear on the breast in magic, that's where the name of the force is written. And I like that idea of the name of the force written upon the heart, kind of kind of poetic. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Kind of reminds me of, you know, the way the yod Vavhe is written on the breast of the temperance angel. So maybe we should talk a little bit about the different Boy, yeah, majors. <laughs> about what? The majors. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. We can go that. There's plenty to talk about. There's loads to Got to pick about. a direction. Yeah. You're yeah, in yeah. Grand Central. You're <laughs> in Grand Central. So, you know, I was thinking, first of all, about the, the numerical majors, which we can talk about because they're also connected by path, um, which are the lovers and the devil, which, you know, are so intimately connected. Yeah, um, and speaking of interconnectedness, they're both mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, I mean, they I both was... have you know the lovers. Mm-hmm. The lovers are literally again seen in the devil card. Yeah, it's almost like in Wade Smith, the the lovers represents like the Eden myth, and the devil represents the fall. You know, where because of the choice that the devil presented us with in Eden, here we are chained to matter. There's a real echo there, but it's also really interesting to me when you think about that 
as the human capacity to make choices of free will, because it's almost like, you know, it represents as the two sides of that, the, the mm-hmm. lovers as free will is an opportunity, um, but it's also a burden, which we see in the devil, because you must live with the consequences of your choices. And, and there's both, also that mm-hmm. both of those cards, the lovers and the devil, have something kind of to do with sex in a way. For sure. Um, and, and, you know, sixes and sex are so <laughs> connected. <laughs> Sexy sixes. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think you know, also. You know what I think it's really funny that you, you, mm-hmm. you, you might not want to put this in the whole the whole thing but I, I don't know if i've ever you know you i'm gonna <laughs> maybe i mentioned it before but you know the pyramid catalog where they have all like the clothing and the, the metaphysical jewelry and woo woo kind of oh like, okay ca- no catalog, i don't know pyramid catalog so again uh they always have a page in there and it's called balance the balance and harmony page <laughs> do you know what's on it no no dildos Ah! It's the dildo page, but they call it the balance and harmony. Page. Oh my god, that's hilarious! It makes me think of the sixes. I don't know why. For sure, yeah. <laughs> the lovers and the devil. I think that's what made it pop into my head with the giant for sure on the devil yeah. card and the lovers. The divine presence is there in the sort of angelic, demonic figures as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we also have, of course, temperance and judgment are are the other um, angelic demonic cards. But in Thoth as well, you have, well, obviously the giant penis on, <laughs> on no the devil. Balance <laughs> and harmony. But also the lover's card we've spoken of as phallic because of the connection with Zine, the, the sword. But if you kind of back up a little, it does have kind of a, a vulvar aspect to it too. If you kind of back up and look at the Thoth one, it kind of has shapes that, are suggestive. Anyway, you know, yeah. we were talking in in the five about man as being the five, you know, the the five mm-hmm. senses, five mm-hmm. limb, head and four limbs. Well, I, I saw the man in the six as being the man animal, the man with the tail, like in the <laughs> devil card. Yeah, you know, the two the two creatures have tails. Yeah, yeah. So that's the, that's yeah. the man animal. You know, the man transforms into the man with the tail, the six yeah. limbs instead of five. Oh, that's interesting. The other thing that's cool about the devil card is that it's between Teferit and Hod, Hod being the sphere of knowledge. And, you know, knowledge gods in mythology are always tempters. They're always causing trouble. They're always roiling, you know, strife between (laughs) human and divine. That is true. The devil and the the magician. (laughs) Yeah. Um, In general, so kind of looking at some of the other Teferit-connected Sephirot, well, looking at the top, we have the priestess. Who crosses the path of dot? Crosses the path of dot, right? Exactly. And um, there's a trust in the priestess that there's implicit purpose in creation, although it's veiled and hidden. And I think that's kind of the ordeal of it. And then you have, you know, between Chokma and Tiferet, you have either the emperor or the star, which kind of sends different messages. But you know, in both cases, I think there's a sort of reflection of authority from above to below. Right, the sort of mm-hmm. like connection between sky and and earth, and then uh, the hermit, the Kesed and Teferit path, it's is always fascinating to me because you have the 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 sun literally enclosed in his lantern, and him, you know, vouchsafed with the task of guarding it through its journey through night. Between Netzach and Teferit is the path of death. I don't know. I I just think of that as there being implicit purpose and sacrifice, obviously, because that card 
is what allows us to enact the sacrifice. The yeah, purpose. that's a really interesting path. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think of the Thoth version, it really has those connotations of fertility, very explicit, the fertility and regeneration themes on it. Right, but, and especially being opposite the devil card. Yeah, but even on the Wade Smith one, there is the sun in the background, which is a Tiferet reference, which could be either rising or setting. It really just depends on your perspective. And then you have the temperance or art card between Tiferet and Yesod, the most profound path of all, the path between the sun and the moon. I It's interesting, I talking about these questions of purpose, I often find that people draw this card when they are confronting their life purpose in a very kind of challenging ordeal type way. And then uh, and then we have Givora to Tiferet, which um, the path of adjustment or justice, which we talked about in the last uh, episode as, as, you know, seeking out the equilibrium of the sun, the harmony that Tiferet represents. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, it so is. many paths coming out of there. You know, it's funny, we're always talking in tarot and it's such a cliche but we're always talking about balance and harmony and it's it's <laughs> it's not really very helpful to people sometimes because they think oh you know of course i need balance of course i need harmony that's completely unspecific to me but part of the reason is because you know half the cards connect to the sephira of balance and harmony so there's no getting away from it people come to tarot readers because something is out, out of balance and they're mm. looking for help they're looking for harmony so um, you know, it's no surprise that we're constantly talking about the ways to get there. Yeah, they're looking to connect with something. And that's this is the mm. connector, the great connector, the great connector, the grand central, the super hub. Oh, I saw in the, you know, the animals, one of the animals was the spider, you oh, know, and, and cool. it is really like the center of the web there. Tifra as the spider at the center of the web. That's kind of neat. Hadn't thought about it that way. Although really, it's insects that have six legs, but the spider is the right metaphor because it, its web extends to everything. Mm -hmm. So shall we talk about miners? Sure. So much success. <laughs> yeah, all kinds of success. I think I said before the rewards of the devotion and dedication happen here, but mm -hmm. it's they all seem to represent a certain type of selfhood in the world. In whichever world they're in. A selfhood and a sort of recognition of yeah, the self's of the purpose. Self. Yeah. You know, one thing that's always interesting to me, because I've been doing this whole series on the miners, uh, Deccan blog post at tsusanchang.com. And uh, one thing I've noticed is that I'm constantly kind of trying to point out ways that you can get to the six. You know, you can get there from the one, the two, the three, the four, the five. Well, really every every card except the ten, right? As we were saying before, because the six is connected to everything but ten. So no matter what minor you get or how you feel about it, there's almost always a way to get to the six. Especially yeah. if you're like, you know, flailing around in the nine of swords or the five of pentacles. <laughs> you can get there to Which the makes six. sense because mm -hmm. six is really like one of the most important spiritual attainments, I guess you could call it, you know? Yeah. And then when you when you look at what that looks like in real life in these depictions in the minors, it's it shows folks who are thriving, you know, who are doing what they mean to do. Um, in the Thoth, you see, you know, just images of symmetry. So like Six of Wands, I think Crowley does say that it's not lasting. But on the other hand, you have the nine steady burning flames 
I'm, I think pretty much Curly says everything isn't lasting. <laughs> That's true. No, seriously. <laughs> That's true. You know, yeah. from his Buddhist training. Right. It's interesting to think about, like, what a six means in in wands. I mean, the six is the life force and the will and the sort of like the drives that keep us moving forward uh, at an instinctual level. And, you know, and the six of wands really kind of shows us in our prime doing what we're able to do, living the, the human life to its fullest. The top of the world. It always makes, card always makes me think of Apollo. Yeah. yeah. Very Apollonian. Very fiery. And then the six of cups it's almost like you know the purpose of the of emotion is to care for one another and to tend one another by doing that we experience the pleasure of altruism which is i guess one of the reasons that you know in thought the 6 is really one of the most beautiful and flowing cards in the minors as well as so golden <laughs> yeah in fact, both of them, both the Six of Cups and Rider-Waite-Smith and Thoth are just sort of, you know, just um, radiating this sort of golden light, which makes sense since gold, yellow is the Briatic color of Tiferet. And then the, oh, and also I think, what does Crowley say about the Six of Cups? He says, it's the harmony of natural forces without effort or strain. Nice work if you can get it. <laughs> <laughs> And then the Six of Swords, you know, the purpose of the mind, I think of this one as being the problem-solving card with the mm -hmm. problems posed by Givora, uh, the balance of the faculties. The best use of the mind. The best use of the mind. The in I think he says the intelligence won to the goal, says uh, yep. Crowley. He says also the balance of faculties hardly won and almost impossible to hold in an ever-changing world. So again, that's the sort of, the idea that this is, perfection but it doesn't mean permanence and then the same thing with the six of discs or pentacles the wade smith card literally shows the resources being handed from one person to another so it's not to save and it's not to keep it's just to keep moving so that yeah. people can survive yeah a brief halt on the path of labor is joy it while it lasts <laughs> enjoy it while it lasts all success is temporary can't take it with you do we have anything else to say about the miners well we'll no. be talking about them in the courts too i guess yeah yeah they'll they'll come up i guess <laughs> yeah as they will we talked a little bit about the sixes in last episode because they are the final decan of the knights princes. or princes right the knights or princes and it is what they are hoping to achieve. You know, as we sort of talked about, Chesed seeks, Givura hides, Tiferet finds. The knights are questers. They are, they are seeking and finding. <laughs> and, um. Yeah, they are all straddling that, that divide between the fives and the sixes, between the, the having and the not having. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's also this kind of like messianic quality to sixes. I mean, yes, from the sacrificial mm -hmm. gods aspect, but also the idea that someone's coming who will save us all. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. My fairy prince. I, I watched the, uh, this is just a digression. I don't know if I'm going to include it, but <laughs> I watched Into the Woods, which is a musical that's like a mishmash of fairy tales last night. And, you know, the Prince Charming is a real jerk, but... At one point, he he explains his 
behavior by saying, I was raised to be charming, not sincere. <laughs> <laughs> the vice of Tiferet. <laughs> anyway. <Ride. yeah. laughs> but yeah, so they're always the chosen ones. They're always the ones with the quest, the ones that are prophesied about. These are the, these are the sixes of tarot. You know, the, they're the Harry Potters <laughs> of the court suit. They're the Neos. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's something about the way you blend the mother and the father, the queen and the king, and you get this person who is able to enact their intentions in the world. Um, yes. Who ne doesn't necessarily have all the authority, but has the empowerment. Yeah, definitely. Empowerment's yeah. a good word for them. Yeah. Often when I see knights or princes in people's readings, you know, I say this is not necessarily the boss, but this is the employee. This is the star agent or advocate uh, who can get the job done. Oh, yeah. So in terms of the practical stuff, you know, what's so funny, going back to this idea of the bridging, the connecting quality of sixes, I have only gotten double sixes on days when it seems like I was doing something as an intermediary like that. So for example, I got it one day when we were at our parents-in-law. Yeah. And I decided to, you know, using the equipment we have for the podcast, I decided to record them for future generations because we don't normally do that. And I made them talk into a mic for an hour or two. Um, I've also had it for kind of ancestors, spirit contact type stuff. So, you know, just in, in ordinary life, there's a sort of between the realms quality to it for me. That's interesting. Yeah. I've also had it as just sort of like getting an opportunity, you know, in the classic six of six of discs style, somebody gives you a gig or a job or something. But there, even that has a quality of transmission, you know, um, here's a yeah, purpose for you. Connection between people. Or yeah. Organizations and the individual. And, mm -hmm. you know, when somebody just gives you a job, usually... Yeah. It's something that in a way you've probably earned through your past. Exactly. You know, they didn't just give it to you out of the blue. They gave it to you because they thought you were the right person for it based on things you've already done. Right. So there's a connection between the past and the future. Yeah. Between the potential and the actuality. All right. Shall we? Um, did we miss anything? Oh, let's see. Probably. Okay, you know, it's funny. We were talking about the um, <laughs> hexagram. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the upward triangle and downward triangle. And mm -hmm. I was I was reading about that and I, I saw that it, it's also used as a mark on kegs to say that they've been <laughs> tapped and it's called the beer star. The beer star? <laughs> For real? <laughs> Supposedly. I don't know. I read it on that's the That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's cool. It's not quite as metaphysical as the, uh, no. you know, the, the earth and sky and the fire and water and the Shakti and Shiva, but... <laughs> You gotta have a beer star. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that seems kind of, kind of uh, appropriate. And beer too is a sort of wonderful well, yeah. four elements thing, right? You know, actually, yeah. And wine too is associated with Tiferet. So yeah. Oh yeah, Dionysus, yeah. You know, a Dionysian thing. Yeah, exactly. That both as um, alcohol both is as... the medicine, alcohol and uh, and mm -hmm. cardiac like stimulants like coffee. Right, right. There is a connection between wine and. Um, and the heart blood as yep. well, you know, as yep. the heart as the central organ concerning the blood. All right. Um, so themes we've talked about, I guess. Uh, we've talked about harmony and balance. 
Equilibrium, wholeness, all kinds of success. The holy guardian angel and becoming a god, man as already being a god, there is no god but man. The sacrificial gods, the transactions between divine and human. Yeah, the sacrifices that we make in our devotion to our great works. The purpose that is transmitted to us in which we pass on, the idea that there's a meaning to life that we're fulfilling. Consciousness of self and consciousness of divinity. A free will as an opportunity and a burden and knowledge gods as tempters. Yeah, there's also, you know, something we didn't really talk about, but is worth mentioning in passing as a sort of uh, callback to the sun episode is, you know, there is that idea, that conflation between uh, sun gods and, and Lucifer figures. You know? Yeah, totally. The bringers of light. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, even even when Crowley mentioned that Yakus as the holy guardian angel and he turns out to be associated with Fanes. Right. Okay. Oh, we didn't really exactly talk about the colors. Oh, yeah, the colors, all those beautiful sunrise, sunset colors, which are yeah. the uh, clear rose pink, yellow, rich salmony pink, and golden amber. Such All the colors, colors of the sun at sunrise and sunset, beautiful mm-hmm. colors. And it's always interesting to me that in, you know, in Wade Smith Tarot, when they want to depict a sunny day, they put a bright yellow sky, which, you know, doesn't exist, but you know right. what they're talking about. <laughs> but it gets the point across. It gets the point across. All right. So I think we did it. Oh, we could just keep talking forever, yeah. but I think we got the majority of the things. Considering it's the center of the whole system. Ferret balance between the vertical and horizontal paths. All right. Well, thanks everybody for accompanying us on this journey through the six. We will be back next time with Crowley's least favorite number of all, the seven, <laughs> but which I think we will enjoy exploring its quests and searches for individual Roads attainment. Roads to victory. Roads to victory. Exactly. All right. See you then. And that's our show for today. You can find us at www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse, where you'll also find new episode announcements and loads of extra articles and visuals, which will help you follow along with the show. If you appreciate what Mel and I have done here at fortunes wheelhouse, please consider leaving us a five-star reviewer rating on iTunes, Apple podcasts, or Google play. And if you'd like to support the making of this podcast and gain access to all the member perks that come with that, please consider becoming a patron at any level you like by visiting www.patreon.com slash fortunes wheelhouse. You can also explore fortunes wheelhouse gear like t-shirts, tote bags, coffee mugs, and more by checking out our red bubble shop. That's at www.redbubble.com slash people slash wheelhouse 93 slash shop. Mel's beautiful books, decks, and prints can be found at tarotcart.com. And my book, Tarot Cases, Astrological Perfumes, and Online Tarot Class can be found at tsusanchang.com. Treat yourself to the tarot gift you've always wanted, because you are a hero of the astral plane, and we so appreciate your support.